Coming to you from the Oakland Music Complex, where we cannot escape the metal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Body Void. But welcome, listeners. This is from Forever Young Adult, a website for YA fans who are a little less Y and a little more A. You can find us at foreveryoungadult.com. I am Annie, and I am the recorder, podcast enthusiast, and book eater, <laughs> <laughs> which is different than a Death Eater. <laughs> well, I should hope so. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm from FYA headquarters, and I lead the San Francisco chapter of our international book club. And I'm Britt, also from SFFYA, and currently reflecting on, is it Gloria Estefan's words, that the rhythm is going to get you? <laughs> <laughs> I think the rhythm has found us, and it is currently devouring <laughs> us. It won't let us go. Even though we we very nicely knocked on their door with our champagne cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have offered them some. Maybe that would mm. have changed their mind. No, there's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, you know they don't drink champagne. That's too bubbly and happy. No. <laughs> they did not look like they'd been sh- drinking anything, only smoking. Probably <laughs> Jaeger. Oh, <laughs> maybe Jaeger. Dark as their soul. Jaeger bombs. <laughs> I can feel it. Uh. This month, we're going to talk about If I Was Your Girl, which is by Meredith Russo. Yeah, thanks for the Janet Jackson earworm, Meredith Russo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For those of you just tuning in, Bookplate divides the book that we are about to discuss into edible portions, like a meal. Our first bite is the amuse-bouche. Meredith Russo is a trans woman herself, as well as the cover model, Kira Conley, Trans Visibility. Everyone needs to read the author's note. It's actually really great. It explains why Russo chose to write Amanda the way that she did. And you can follow Meredith on Twitter at M-E-R underscore squared. Mare squared. I like it. I loved the author's note. I read this book and I was like, okay, four stars. And then I read the author's note and that bumped it up to a five star read for me. And I think, yeah, I think it said the same. I was reading the book thinking, okay, cisgender people who don't know a lot about trans identities are going to read this book and think oh so that's what trans people go through and it's true for some trans people but not everybody not everybody can pass not everybody gets or wants surgery not everybody realizes they're trans from a young age so I really love that she acknowledged that in the author's note that this is just one struggle one identity one experience this is not representative of all trans people and she also acknowledged that she chose that one because it would be the easiest to digest yeah which i thought was really like strategic and really interesting and i'm glad she didn't like gloss over any of her thought process when it came to that yeah she wanted to make it palatable for non-trans people people who weren't familiar with the issues which i think is a very strategic choice definitely more sellable Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah uh, well as a cisgender straight person myself i was really interested in the author's note because while i have trans friends they don't necessarily tell me all of these details nor do i feel comfortable asking them because like (laughs) that's a very personal thing so i loved reading what what she 
went through and wrote like all the reasons that she made these decisions and I felt like I learned I learned quite a bit I learned what's well I would I wouldn't say I learned what's okay to ask and not ask but that was definitely a a facet of the book that I really thought was interesting and useful for not only somebody my age but you know kids who probably have gender fluid or gender queer people in their in their high schools these days because now people can be more forthright about yeah. feeling that way. Um, I, d- oh. I did like that. She said, like, what questions are okay at one point? And it was no dead names, mm-hmm. no genitalia, and I can't remember the third one. But they were, like, very traditional, like, just don't ask that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Would you ask someone that you just met, like, what about their genitalia? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best way to start off. No, but it's just, like, people feel... I don't know, entitled to that information about trans people for some reason. And it's kind of disturbing, the focus on (laughs) trans people's bodies and not their personhood. I understand, like, wanting to know how it all works because I I have an intellectual curiosity of why people choose to do the things that they do and, like, what the the spectrum is because Rosa is describing this whole spectrum that... I'm not necessarily familiar with and would never ask anybody because it's not my business. So it, it kind of gives you a really good jumping off point to to learn more and know what is okay to ask, especially if it's your first experience uh, reading or interacting with somebody who's trans. I don't know if you're familiar with Jazz Jennings. Mm-hmm. She, Yeah, she's a teenage trans activist. Um, she has a book that she wrote and she also has a show on TLC, and she is very frank about um, discussing her body and her physical transition as well as emotionally and societally, I guess. Um, but she says in her book, uh, like, yes, I know I'm talking about my body a lot, but that doesn't mean you get to ask a trans person all the details. Like, I'm sharing this because I choose to and because I want people to understand, like, what it's like to transition. But, yeah, it's not cool to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't go to anybody else on the street and be like, hey, how's your penis doing? I kind of wish we could ask that because there are some <laughs> people that I want to know. But I'm just like, <laughs> I would hope no one would ask me. You know, I'm just going to give someone else the like the same privacy, you know. Right. If they want to share it, great. If not, we live in a world where we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Our appetizer is waffles and also bathroom bullies. At the very beginning of the novel, Amanda, the main character, is subjected to trans violence in Atlanta, so she elects to stay with her estranged father in a small town, Tennessee. And we learn that she is attacked in the bathroom when a girl she went to high school with recognizes her after transitioning, and the girl's father comes into the bathroom and punches her, which is terrifying, but also so poignant because we really are in this place in our country and the world and history where bathrooms are n- are now a place of violence and specifically non-acceptance of trans people. We were talking about Transparent earlier. There's a few poignant scenes in that show that I think is, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. My question here is why are bathrooms specifically this like very necessary object in all of our lives? You know, everybody uses a bathroom. Why has this become the fulcrum of these anti-trans laws? Well, it's a vulnerable place, but I think... I don't... 
and this is just my takeaway, but I noticed that it's only about female trans people who are getting the, oh, well, you know, what about a man, you know, a man coming into a lady's bathroom? What is he going to do there? Well, <laughs> nothing. I, and I think, it, I think it's because of that mystery. You know how guys are always marveling about, oh, ladies go into the bathroom together. What do they do? And, you know, we, in general, we're always in private stalls. There's th I think there's this mystery of, of these vulnerable women going into their sacred mystery space and, you know, communing with the witch goddess or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Men who are listening, that's what we do. It's absolutely the witch goddess. I mean, part of it boils down to thinking that trans women are just men in a dress. Yeah, who want to prey on, on right. other women because other men prey on women. Yeah, and I that's think that's the real deal. Like, we were talking about uh, TERFs yeah. earlier, which is trans-exclusionary radical feminism or something. Yeah, yeah uh, about feminists who don't think trans women belong in their spaces because they have experienced male privilege, and it just boils to the boils down to the idea that trans women are not women. Yeah. The only, I, I got into a conversation, it was right after a few bathroom laws had been passed in, I think, South Carolina last year, last March, um, with these two men who traditionally don't have female friends. And I was hanging out with them, and, you know, they don't refer to women by their names. When they talk about women, they call them bitches. And they, oh, <laughs> you know, they yeah. don't, like, they are in a very, very male centered life, world, place. And they were the world. pro. <laughs> they were pro these laws. They were like, "Of course, these men are trying to come in here and prey on women." I was like, "What are you?" I, I literally couldn't understand that perspective. But then I realized it's because they are men who do seek out women specifically for sex and don't really look at them as people and look at them as objects. Yeah. So of course, you would think that's what these trans people are doing and not giving them their own personhood. That's why, probably the same reason why, you know straight guys like if they find out a guy is gay or whatever like oh what if he you know he is checking me out because like he's thinking of this man the same way that he knows that he does to women like objectifying them and they're like oh no now a guy's gonna do that to me it's the same thing with all the the men who when they become fathers of daughters they're like right. oh i'm gonna clean my guns <laughs> because you know i know what men are like and it's like what a terrible message yeah right <laughs> Jazz talks about the bathroom issue in her book too because at her school she her mom I think had to like pretty much raise hell with the school to get her to use the bath the to be able to use the bathroom the women's bathroom and I think the school wouldn't budge on it if I remember correctly mm -hmm. and she recalls like you know having to go to the nurse's office and use like the private mm -hmm. you know the teacher bathroom there or or even like becoming dehydrated because she didn't want to drink mm -hmm. liquids because she didn't want to have to deal with going to the bathroom and I think one time even like wetting herself because like she was couldn't use the bathroom that she wanted and that's terrible it's, it's awful I mean bathrooms are traditionally like not a safe space for women either you know we go no. in pairs we go in groups because we need someone to back us the fuck up it's not it's not so that we can chat and have a fun time it's <laughs> literally so that we are safe right so when you know and there are other places in the world where women can't go to the bathrooms safely. There, there's actually oh, yeah. a lot of violence in um, California, specifically with 
transitional field workers where women have been the target of sexual violence and they can't and because there's fewer of them and because they're out in the field there's not a safe place for them to use the restroom you know this isn't this isn't some new thing that has all of a sudden come up onto the scene it is it is this crazy life and death thing we're like we all need to pee all of us <laughs> all of us there's no one here that doesn't pee even people who pee through like medical contraptions still pee you know like yeah it i i don't under just the denying people the use of of relief the is so dehumanizing to me it and and it, it to everyone it seems like it's like nothing they can find another place i'm like there's not often another place right there's not often another place so I don't know that that was so poignant for me just as the beginning of this book like I'm already like okay I know where we're at <laughs> interesting know? that it's you pretty much only hear about trans women yeah like you were saying because n- you know well, nobody is like oh we have to keep women out of the men's bathroom like they might be checking out dicks or whatever I don't know right like um well, the world feels entitled to women's bodies, I think. Right. But, I mean, I have, like, when I've really had to pee and there's a long-ass line for the women's bathroom and nobody in the men's bathroom, like, yep. I have no shame in ducking into the men's bathroom if I really have to pee. But the other way around, though, if, like, for some reason there was a line for the men's bathroom and not for the women's, which I've uh-huh. never seen happen, like, if a guy just ran into the women's restroom because he really had to go, like, it wouldn't be well-received. You'd be scared. Well, there would be people who'd be scared. Yeah, but I think it's, uh, in a weird way, it's also, like, our society prizes women who, like, aim to be like men, you know? Mm. Like, in a, I don't know if this is a stretch, but I'm thinking of Game of Thrones, where Arya, like, everybody loves Arya because she's, like, the badass, and yeah. she knows how to use a sword, and she's tough and can hold her own, and everybody hates Sansa because mm-hmm. she's traditionally, traditionally feminine, feminine, right? <laughs> But, you know, she has her own kind of strength. But, like, the idea of, I don't know, if penis envy, maybe Freud was on to something, <laughs> like, or at least what people think. Like, it's, like, brave of a woman to, like, step into the man's bathroom or, oh, good for you. You were just doing what you had to do. You had to pee. Like, whatever. You can hang with the big dogs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what right. I mean? You're and not then, like, scared of a little dick. Right. I but, like, <laughs> a man going into the women's room is just, like, monster. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's just because women have traditionally like been attacked in bathrooms, you know? Yeah. Whereas like I've I've used the men's bathroom actually I'm more concerned. I'm trying to start using the men's bathroom at work because it's literally next door to my office and the women's room. I wanted to count it out today. I didn't count it out. <laughs> but I was staking out the men's room cuz I was finally like okay, I'm like going to use it. And the first time I snuck in, I was like, okay, there are urinals established. There are urinals. I might see someone with his dick out. Okay, got it. And then, and then like, the next time I snuck in, I'm like, is anyone in here? And then I think I scared somebody in the stall because they flushed it. And I was like, oh, shit, scared somebody. Okay, I'm going to leave. And then the next time, it was funny, like, I was all by myself, and it was the best. It was, it was like, oh, I'm by myself, and it's all mine, and it's the men's room, and I have conquered the uh, pure luxury. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of um, Hidden Figures, the book, not the movie, because uh. the movie was totally whitewashed. But one of the um, astronauts was saying, like, the, the white women's restroom was right there. And, you know, the black restroom was all the way across, you know, whatever. And they did show that in the movie with her, like, running back and mm-hmm. forth in the rain and being late to meetings and whatever else. But um, in the book, she talks about, like, well, 
I just use this restroom because it's closer. But then because I had gone in it, none of the white women want to use it. And hey, I have my own private bathroom. Nice. <laughs> I kind of want to get there. I don't know. It just <laughs> bothers me that it's it's divided anyway. Um, but I work in a building where a lot of older people go to art things. So I don't want to scare the geriatric 80-year-old <laughs> with the heart stain. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to do that. I am just trying to pee, though. <laughs> that would make a really great headline. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the most poignant things that I thought this book had to offer that just broke my heart was when Amanda's talking to her mother, and she and her mother is like, I'm not sorry that you're trans i'm just so sorry that you're a girl because i was hoping you would never have to go through this stuff and i went oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that would be heartbreaking as a parent to be like well at least my son's not gonna have to deal with periods and probably not men preying upon them because they're physically weaker and blah 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 and then you find out that your kid is actually a girl and Oh, great. <laughs> a new set of things to worry about. But, oh, man, that just hit me right in the feels, as the kids say. <laughs> there are um, two trans kids that I know of at the school where I teach. And one of them was not my student, but was in the grade level that I taught. So it was in one of my grade level colleagues' class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had a lot of issues with this kid's mom <laughs> um, because like a lot of pressure was coming from home to the teacher to be like, so what are you doing to you know make sure everybody is okay with my son? And like, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then he didn't really want to be put on display like yeah. that. He wanted to kind of come out as his on his own time, but this was the first year that he was out as a boy. Mm. And um, But anyway, I remember thinking like my first question to her was like, does the school let him use the boy's bathroom? Because like that is the important thing. Because <laughs> that is the thing. Yeah. And she said yes. And I was like, okay, good. Because, <laughs> yeah. Interesting, because we are divided at such a young age. Like, that just brought up a really strong memory of being in preschool. Mm-hmm. Of having, like... I teach third grade, by yeah. the way, so... Of having, like, girls and boys bathrooms in preschool, but still... But even then, now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, but we weren't paying attention to it like if we went with a teacher yes we went to the girls or boys bathroom but we went by ourselves which my my dad refers to my preschool as lord of the flies preschool we just went wherever (laughs) we also did other things that were nefarious but you know (laughs) big heads on sticks yeah (laughs) a lot of rug burns and fights and clothes that were shoes that were thrown over the fence and jackets that were stolen yikes my preschool had to ban overalls speaking of bathrooms because (laughs) kids couldn't get them oftentimes oh my goodness and you know (laughs) Yeah, so they actually banned overalls at my preschool. <laughs> okay, that's really funny. Because, like, you know, I'm not really into banning things, but that's actually but I mean they like had a, a practical reason for it. Like, well, if you're going to wear overalls, send your kid with some extra clothes, some extra pants. That's such a dumb parent to- choice. Sorry. Sorry, parents out there. Oh, no offense, so parents. so cute. You know, I, I am function over form. Yeah, as a teacher... Yeah, I am yeah. okay with that ban. <laughs> I don't because like because I'm the one who's so gonna yeah. have to deal with that yeah. shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the parents. Um, yeah, we can. We were we were talking briefly, or actually, no, we were talking a long time during the conviction podcast 
about how there are always bad dads yeah. in mm-hmm. YA. Um, I really liked the dad in this book. I didn't think I was going to at first. I thought he was going to going to be a jerk and couldn't relate to Amanda at all. But by the end of the book, I realized, oh my god, yeah, this this guy is so human. He's just trying to deal with what life has given him and doing a fairly decent job. He's not a bad dad. He's a sad dad. <laughs> I feel like a lot of media, I guess, that is about trans people really becomes more about how are the cis people going to adjust? Mm-hmm. How are the people who have known them as a boy suddenly going to be able to say she and her? And <laughs> so, I mean, I appreciated that that was part of the book, but that it wasn't the main part of the book. It really was about Amanda and not like, oh, well, has her transition affect everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just so relieved that both of her parents were good after we've had a real run of bad parent books <laughs> for True. FYA this year. Sorry, Sorry guys, we don't do Oof. this. Uh, we don't <laughs> do this intentionally. Yeah, I was glad that the dad was like not a violent person. Not violent. Uh, not. He didn't even. He wasn't even unaccepting of Amanda's transition. He just was just having a little bit of trouble dealing with it, and yeah. I thought that was really realistic. Like, he clearly loves Amanda. He's just adjusting to the new normal and you know doing it poorly as some humans do yeah i think um i don't remember if this quote is in the book but it's something that i've like i've read articles about you know trans kids and their parents coming to terms and all this stuff and one thing that i see a lot is the parents who are accepting or who eventually get there will usually say something along the lines of better to have a daughter who's alive than a dead son oh that was definitely was that in, in the book, the book? I, can't yeah. I read it a while ago i can't remember but yeah i see yeah, that, that being resonated a lot yeah yeah better just to have a, an alive kid basically. right yeah yeah just so i mean anybody is a dad that loves his kid and takes a little longer to <laughs> not to get there because i think he always loves her but just to Love her as her. Yeah. yeah. And they're in a real small town. Like right. This is another small town, southern place. Tiny. Um, that was, I think, a strategic choice, too, rather than setting it in San Francisco or right. something, yeah. where <laughs> it would like be like, yeah, sure. Okay. You can use the girls' bathroom at school. No big deal. And <laughs> right. But San Francisco also has the largest population of like trans mm. gay kids on the street. You right. know, like, yeah. Doesn't matter where you are, not right. every place is safe, you know? Yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah. But I mean, like, setting it somewhere where you wouldn't jump to that conclusion, right. I guess, and yeah. be like, oh, okay, well. I thought the small town setting was another way to make Amanda as palatable as mm-hmm. possible. Oh, just Even so small town Christian kids yeah, small town girls can, l- you know, love <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. Oh, man, it, it still contributed to that tension for me. I was yeah. just sick the whole book thinking... Mm-hmm. Oh God, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's yeah. gonna happen? And then, you know, as you know, if you've read the book, it does turn out fairly okay, as okay as it can be, I think, uh, in that setting. We don't have a, r- a rape scene like we did. Was attempted the though? It's it's yeah. Oh, what was the asexual yeah. kid book? Mm. I was thinking. Are you thinking of the? Okay. No, they were genderqueer. They were just like 
on the spectrum, like flipping back and is forth. Is it the book with the cover? Oh, like symptoms of being human. Yes, symptoms of being human. Yes, that and also um, none of the above. I think also had a sexual assault scene, which is about a girl who's intersex. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think I've read that one. It's good. I liked it. Uh, the author is a doctor, actually, and she oh, interesting. Um, has treated, or you know, a lot of intersex patients. So even though she herself is not intersex, I feel like she has a a working knowledge. Yeah, and yeah. isn't just like, oh, I'm just gonna like write about what I think. <laughs> you know, intersex people go through. And she also was um, very clear to address that, like, this is one type of intersex person. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, you know, has this and that or, you know, whatever. This is not representative of there's all different types of ways to be intersex. And I was like, yes, <laughs> more yeah. books. Do this. I was really appreciative that we didn't. I mean, it was violence. It, it was the threat of violence. And then we did have violence. But at least it wasn't the sexual assault. Like, yeah. I just... I just can't handle much more. <laughs> yeah. Carried out for gratuitous purposes. Yeah. And Game of Thrones looking at you. Ugh. Yeah, or just real life. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. Yeah. Oh, as soon as I closed this book, I went on Twitter and saw about another assault and murder of a trans woman. And yeah, uh, yeah this is a little too close to home right now. So for thank real. you, Meredith Russo. I think that's one of the things I really like about YA is that we're allowed to champion people that wouldn't be otherwise. Mm-hmm. We can move on to our main course, which is fried catfish and okra and sole muniere, which I think is a, it's a French dish, a French dish or French Creole. We uh, brought up this before, but passing as Meredith Russo notes, you know, she made this the least conflicting trans person possible. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, you know, was it effective? My, I understand that she was writing this as an intro to trans experience for non-trans people, but I'm wondering, do trans people identify with this? Because hmm. I think that there could be more literature for those people as well. Well, I think Meredith Russo got a multi-book deal, so oh, there may be more. I feel like it's kind of necessary as a starting point, because I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, you know gay characters in sitcoms like you Mm. have to start out with the will and grace Mm. like the complete you know jack is a complete stereotype he's like flamboyant and he's like you know oh my god no sports and you know whatever but now like we have sitcoms where there's just a normal quote-unquote not to like not legitimize that aspect of gay identity but like there are characters who don't necessarily fit that stereotype and who just happen to be gay and I feel like you can't start with that. You have to start with like, yeah, with the most digestible, with the obvious, with the what everybody thinks you are, and then you can kind of crack open the door and get the other identities. Yeah, ooh, kind their of like place. an after-school special. <laughs> like, yeah. like she's just like us. Yeah, but that's a good right. point. I also thought it was really necessary for the narrative because. First of all, I read this book really quickly, but it I was absolutely sick to my stomach because I was so worried about what was going to happen to Amanda because you know that somebody's going to find out or she's going to tell somebody and it's probably not going to go well. And, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, we hope you've read the book because, <laughs> spoilers, um, but when, when people do find out, it does go terribly wrong and 
I think that that was an effective narrative device, at least in this case. It would have been different if Amanda was like described as like Virginia with you know a, s- a slightly d- too big jaw mm-hmm. and forehead that's bulging and you know just somebody that that doesn't look quote traditionally feminine. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to jazz. I just love her so much and I'm obsessed with her show. <laughs> yeah, I've read her book and all of it. And she has a children's book, by the way, which is awesome and had to go through some battles with schools to be able to do readings of it. But anyway, she knew she was trans from a really young age and her parents were really supportive and she was able to take, get a testosterone blocker injected into her arm and has to change it out every couple of years, but it prevented her from going through male puberty. And so she passes very easily as a woman and then you know she has at one point she was on the show she was going to like a trans support group kind of thing and then there were people who transitioned you know after puberty and they don't pass as easily and so that's a thing that's addressed you know on the show as well it's like yeah and i'm also thinking i have a trans friend who is not like doesn't really fit into a neat box like amanda does like they were born male, didn't realize they were trans until their 20s, kept the facial hair, you know, uh, but like, likes to wear dresses and makeup and nail polish and that's who they are. Yeah. And I feel like a book about a different kind of trans person like they are would not really be, not necessarily not well received, but not as understandable, I guess, because like, I don't know. Because they're in that middle ground. Yeah, we want to compartmentalize, like, oh. And then, you know, they don't... They look feminine and masculine. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what's going on here? I can't classify this person. I could see a lot of parents getting upset and worried about that, too. You know, more close-minded parents. And wondering, you know, well, how, quote, how am I supposed to explain this to my child? Which it seems to be what people on Twitter say all the time. Well... You could just explain that some people don't fit into gender, quote, norms. And mm. I say that very lightly. But um, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that, yeah, it, it had to be this way, at least for this book, to ease people into the idea. And I think, I think it works really well. In I my like Amanda as a character. Yeah. Mm. In, in, well, in my opinion, just the, the whole book, especially once you get to the author's note and read why she did this the way she did, I think... I think it functions as a really good intro to trans identity and the trans experience and I could I could see people being way more receptive to this. I mean adults, scared adults, maybe teenagers, I don't know, uh, being more receptive to this because it's easier to understand. Yeah. And the fact that it's not presented as this is the one sole trans experience is just makes all the difference mm-hmm. to me anyway. The support group was a great way to yeah, display that. Yeah, I like the support that. group a lot. I also think, you know, we are getting slowly more, tra- obviously, trans folks in our, you know, knowledge as a nation. We have Orange is the New Black. We have Janet Mock. We have mm-hmm. Transparent. You know, we have more and more. It's becoming more palatable. And then we even have younger folks who are, doing more gender bending like the Smith siblings 
is it Jaden who just oh mm-hmm. Jaden and Willow yeah mm-hmm. Jaden yeah. just like dresses in feminine you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily identify as male so I th- I think it's more palatable these days but yeah it's slowly but surely and becoming more visible I think becoming more visible I would uh, palatable I mean <laughs> look at look at folks on Fox News <laughs> they don't oh think well. it's palatable but visible definitely I can't palate Fox News I'm pretty sure I read that um I'm What's her name? Rue from the Hunger Games. Oh Amanda. yeah, Amanda. Yeah, that um, that she is goes by she or they. I think. Oh. I think she. Yeah, I think she. They them pronouns. Her. Yeah, I think she said both. I remember. Okay. Like I, I don't know. I just remember they them for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think Miley Cyrus also is gender queer. Yeah. So the Bay Area is a great place for that. It is, yeah, it is a little surprising to leave the Bay Area bubble every <laughs> once in a while and go, oh, right, I forget <laughs> that not everybody is, is generally tolerant. Yeah. At least <laughs> on the surface. I also put on the appetizer is coming out versus being outed. Mm. Oh, um, yikes. So a lot of the trans folks I follow are also on Twitter. I'm going to have to follow Jazz, too, now that you've mentioned that. Brit. But I've seen a lot of, like, online discussions of whether or not a trans person should or must disclose Mm -hmm. they are trans before dating someone. And the issue is that there's deadly violence Mm -hmm. when outed. That's part of the reason that Amanda's identity was important that it was this way, I guess, in the book, because there was the idea of Grant, is that his name? Feeling like he'd been deceived, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunately uh, just a thing that results in violence against trans people trans women especially yeah yes i yeah i also on twitter they have like the the lists of how many have been have had violence committed against them and been killed this year and usually it's trans women of color of course Mm -hmm. i think we're up to what 17 or so at least yeah i think yeah but i want to say I have to acknowledge that if someone was hiding something that deep about themselves and then I was in an intimate relationship with with them and then they revealed, it would be really hard for me not to feel betrayed. But at the same time, I totally want to acknowledge people needing to own and have their secrets and be and feel safe. It's it, it. That's a really hard line for me because I am a person that believes you're intimate like true emotional partner deserves to know all the things but I know that that's not how everyone feels some people feel like secrets are okay and that you know keeping some part of you private is fine but Mm -hmm. I I really don't know how I would react and and I'm not a man but I am a very emotional fire sign and (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I do I would feel like I wouldn't feel like my ego or my my identity had been challenged I would feel like why didn't they feel I could be trusted it'd be more about like what about me did I not present as a safe person Mm. versus feeling like ego betrayal and I feel like the reason there's male violence against trans women is because it's ego betrayal because men are not men if they have sex with someone who Mm -hmm. was who at one time had a had a dick and (laughs) even in gay relationships it's like are you the top or the bottom? If right. you're the top, you're more of a man than if you're taking yeah. it in the ass. Like <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. 
Yeah, I w- that's a that's a good question though that this book also brought up for me because I, I was afraid Grant was gonna be a total asshole, and I mean I I think the book kind of set it up that he probably would be, and that was part of the tension. But you're right, I, I think I would feel a little betrayed not knowing it because it makes up such a huge part of your emotional development. But on the other hand, I'm not trans. I nobody owes me anything. Right. I just so I don't know what the what the right answer is in quotes and I don't know if there is a right answer but as somebody who likes to know everything about my partner, my husband in this case or you know any boyfriends that I've ever had, uh, yeah, I would I would want to know. It this sounds kind of strange to say but I like that the author made the choice to have Grant not be okay with it. Because it's not like presenting a false hope. It's like, yes, there are people who are going to not be okay when you reveal this part of yourself to them. And But th- but Amanda makes it through to the other side. And yeah. that's yeah, what's important rather than like, oh, I'm totally fine with it. Because that's probably not going to be most people's reactions as much as like we wish that it could. And I, um, I think for me, it would be and I feel like it's something that I would want to know before I would have sex with the person other than that I don't think it's my business especially because part of and I I don't want to speak for trans people because I'm not trans but I think that part of the sort of hill to get over is their past and I don't want to be dead named I don't mm-hmm. you know yeah want you know pictures of me when I you know presented as male whatever right they want to kind of start over with a new identity with their true self with their true self and so I feel like having to relive that and then not knowing whether the person is going to be accepting of that or not it must be really scary yeah <laughs> so but I think when um when sex is on the table, then, like, you kind of need to know. I have to say, I I mean, maybe men are, like, complete maybe idiots, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you would, I, I feel, like, I granted, I've never seen, like, a trans-constructed vagina, but I feel like, as someone who owns a vagina, that they probably look somewhat different. Oh, I was thinking of a trans person who n- has not had surgery. Right. In that case, I would want to know. If they have, then... Well, I'm just saying, in the book, she gets totally naked, and he's still, and she still passes. Mm -hmm. And she has, like, no scars, or, or Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't know, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, too much of a cynic in this case. Like, I feel like people would have scars, just like they have emotional scars, people Mm -hmm. have physical scars. They might be hidden, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I hear you, too, hear what you're saying, like, I think if you're going to have sex with someone, you should disclose certain things. One being your STD status. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And for me personally, it's, you know, sexual trauma. And I feel like transitioning can sometimes involve that. Right. I definitely tell my intimate partners about that stuff where I make Mm -hmm. it very clear, like my stance on that. And that's about consent in a number of ways. And I think that negotiation of consent includes just like accept, acceptance of the person as their whole self right Mm -hmm. 
but that's not a conversation people are used to having in this right. world. No, it's it's a whole new world out there and like uh like Amanda's friends in the book like they had to come up with a whole new vocabulary, a whole new way of talking about it and uh like when Anna the fundamentalist or the the girl from the fundamentalist uh family said, you know, I just uh, I need you to know or I need you to tell me if I'm not getting this right. Like I think that's that was a good way of handling it and you know I would I would hope that we would you know be receptive if somebody told us that we were being jerks. So uh, and by the way if you're listening and you are trans and you want to tell us we're jerks let us know. <laughs> yeah. We'd be, we'd love to hear it actually. We will we will listen and we will learn. <laughs> Definitely. I think another part of my perspective is that I'm bisexual and it feels kind of strange to say that now that we're recognizing that gender is a spectrum and not just male and female. So maybe I'm pansexual. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, like, it wouldn't bother me as much as it might bother some people. Like, oh, that's cool. I like penises and vaginas. So <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. I just Whatever you got's cool with <laughs> me. would like it to know beforehand, like, <laughs> whether I'm going to be penetrated. <laughs> 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 anyway, <laughs> moving on. FYA book play goes deep. Sorry. If I could find a pair of drumsticks, I would go on the drums that are behind There is a drumstick. Yeah, you could do it. There are drumsticks. They're in the little pocket. Yes. Thank you. My very first in person rim shot. I feel honored and special. Maybe we can move on to the dessert <laughs> after the the rim shot, which is oatmeal cookies and nerdy promposal. That was so uh, cute. So probably one Wars, of the more adorable things that happens in this book <laughs> is the Star Wars promposal. It's definitely my favorite I've ever seen done in a book. But I have to say, really glad I missed that era of teen existence. Same. Oh my god. I don't know how they do it. Don't the youngins have enough stress in their <laughs> lives? Right? And they're more elaborate than like marriage proposals, if not like yeah, it's crazy. We were all talking about <laughs> our marriage proposals or lack thereof and uh yeah, they were not like this. No. This is it's too much pressure. It's more rehearsal for this like faux relationship relationship thing that people do like, i think we were, i can't remember which one we were talking about previ- which book we were talking about previously where it's like this rehearsal of marriage and how the people get together and like this is what they have to do and it's like a weird it's performative like everybody yeah. wants to be instagram famous and stuff <laughs> and if she who gets the most likes wins right it is about social media in that way which has really changed how we interact with people oh yeah, yeah. i d- wouldn't have i i hated photos of me when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I still don't really like pictures of myself. You know, I, I don't know how, like, there is already so much stress in h- high school existence. Let's add this other really difficult social competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know the popular people are going to be the ones that like, go the most over the top. And, yeah, I mean, the Star Wars thing in a different time, in a different place, that might have really been setting yourself up to be tormented the rest of your high school Mm. career. So, I don't know. 
But it was so cute I in the book. It though. was adorable. No, in, in this book, it was great. This is a prom proposal I could get behind. My brother-in-law, my husband's brother, graduated from high school about three years ago, maybe? And this was before I knew that prom proposals were a thing. And he called us asking for advice on how to ask his girlfriend to prom. <laughs> and we were just like, she's already your girlfriend. Do you, do you, are you still supposed to ask? I mean, I just say, hey, go to prom with me, please. Like, <laughs> I don't, why? Just ask. And then, like, he was like, no, people, it's like a big thing that people do now. And we looked on the internet and we were just like, holy shit, this is actually a thing. Oh, now we feel bad because we've given him terrible <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to be like, will you go to prom with me? And she'll be like, ah. <laughs> you didn't do anything like Instagram worthy. <laughs> well, it's like the when we read Dumplin' for book club yeah. and the homecoming mums. Oh my god, another yet yet another big performative. Look at me, look at me thing <laughs> that adds more pressure to your already fraught teenage years. Well, now that you said that, I've realized that I have literally asked every man to all of the things. <laughs> I asked a dude to every dance I ever went to. I asked. I I am getting married on Friday, which is two days away from here, and I asked my to-be husband to marry me, <laughs> which I wanted to do a big proposal for and got super anxious about it and was like, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, we're grown-ass adults. <laughs> yeah. Well, I try to be, but... Mm. Well, I mean, I did just make a really stupid sex joke, <laughs> so you can tell how mature I am. Those are the best. I took a BuzzFeed <laughs> quiz recently. About, like, how much of a functioning adult are you really? Oh, oh And no. I think it gave me a higher score than I deserved. Oh, really? It was like, you're a mildly well-functioning adult. And I was like, am I? Because <laughs> you pay bills. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you haven't gotten evicted, so. Not Good yet. job. You have a job. Unless my landlord finds out about my future tortoise, Valdetort. <laughs> we're not allowed to have pets in our building. <laughs> <laughs> Only if the tortoise escapes will it be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty slow, right? Um, if he escapes, <laughs> they're also escape artists. I don't know. Um, if my he escapes, I hope he's wearing a Slytherin sweater. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is probably listening to this, so I'm sure he would weigh in because <laughs> hey he's Garrett. the animal expert who reminded us back when we did My Lady Jane. Oh, it was he was agreeing with us, oh right, right? About how ferrets are rodents. <laughs> And he definitely did not get upset I'm about that. Picturing <laughs> the eye twitch <laughs> right now. I know, me too. The cutest Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> it's the teeth. Uh. We know that now. <laughs> All right. Our last uh, topic are the drinks, which whiskey and Diet Coke. They actually drink a few things uh, in this book. They actually drink and eat all right in this book, I have to say. It's very traditionally Southern. Oh, yeah, I was going to say in style. There's also a lot of really great art references. She reads, Amanda, the main character, reads all of these amazing classic stories because she's reading them for English. The very first one is um, Flannery's A Good Man is Hard to Find. I love <laughs> that collection of short stories. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, is like a setup for her, you know, mm-hmm. scenario. But... Um, foreshadowing yeah she she reads a bunch of really great stuff she reads absalom absalom you know it's just like Mm -hmm. total classics and then the setup at the very beginning is this arts versus craft debate so this is one of my favorite arguments oh i absolutely love that (laughs) and it was great because i was taking breaks from reading this book to go cross stitch nice (laughs) like yeah that is a craft i didn't come up with this right this is not art but i love it 
Well, okay, so page 38 says, art expresses something deeply personal and private. Art shares your world with other people so they can feel even a momentary connection with you. Crafts are pinecone hats. <laughs> can we have, like, a crossover fic between Amanda and then um, Imogen and Marion and, like, have Who them weigh in on arts versus I crafts? Like, I would like to know. <laughs> I personally take Umbridge, because, but that is because... My current life's work, and actually, like, a long, it's, it's probably not just current, it's probably my continuing life's work, is so deep in this art versus craft debate. And I will fight anyone on it. <laughs> <laughs> but craft... I shall engage you in fisticuffs right? after the podcast is over. <laughs> and, and it's true. There is There are people that craft purely to sell or purely for like a moment of joy that is passing and fleeting Mm -hmm. and then there are people that create art that will never make any sense to anybody but themselves so we have these two very you know broad ends of the spectrum but that doesn't mean they're totally separate and I really do think that there is this crossover like you can't I, I I don't think it's fair to say that someone who crafts isn't an artist, and I don't think it's fair to say that someone who does art doesn't understand like the the pure joy of like a craft. And I and I think that we, because we have to compartmentalize these things, we can't take of it course. intersectionally. And I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I think we can have both and. Are you saying you want shades of gray? <laughs> I've heard there are 50 At least of them. 50. <laughs> <laughs> Rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fritz still got <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Twice in one night. <laughs> if anyone knows how to craft tortoise sweaters, <laughs> please hit me up on Twitter at Brit Loves Lamp. Two T's in Brit. Valdetort might get cold. <laughs> it is cold in San Francisco. <laughs> the coldest part. Uh, but back to back to arts versus crafts i think it's a really interesting discussion Uh, annie works for the arts commission and i what used to be really involved with sf etsy which is a bunch of what would we call them artists because i do think that that anybody who's getting very i think anybody who gets really good at a craft is an artist i agree Uh, but i also agree that Technically, I think art should make you feel something. Is the motivation different? Is that the difference? Like, artists create for themselves, crafters create for others? Good question. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you could you can craft for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think of... I think of... I make jewelry. I think of the design part as an, as an art. And I, and I think figuring out the mechanics of it how how am i going to get these pieces to do what i want i think that's the craft part Mm, but jewelry is meant to be worn by other people right yeah most of the time yeah so could that be like part of the difference i don't know i have people in my program who do not want to be called artists Hmm. they specifically are like we are crafts people and then i have people who don't want to be called craftspeople because they <laughs> want to feel elevated mm. it really is a hierarchy yeah craftsperson is like you you're you know person that figured out how to do something out of necessity and your artist is kind of the person who has like the space the time the resources mm-hmm. to do something 
that's elevated. It's it's a, it's like really a hierarchy of of class. But I I don't like hierarchies. There's <laughs> an episode of Family Guy when Stewie becomes like a child actor. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the he's his acting coach or whatever is explaining the hierarchy of acting and mm. it's something like legitimate theater, musical theater, stand up and then way at the bottom is miming <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Mimes are of the devil, so I agree with that. <laughs> Although, my, you know, and then you have like Pitts or College where my sister went where they had a class on miming that was like not Marseille, Marce- Marcel Mostro, but the other mime. <laughs> whose <laughs> name I'm not going to remember. Like their, their hierarchy of miming taught that oh class. My goodness. I don't know. I think it's a really interesting question, and I think it kind of gets at the heart of what people are willing to pay for. And it's this weird capitalism thing where, like, why do we have to put a value to it? Well Isn't the value intrinsic, you know? As we've been talking, I'm realizing that it really is kind of an identity thing, too, which is fits really well into the themes of this book. Yeah. I will always argue that everyone is an artist, and I'm never going to not think that. <laughs> We just all have different types of art, and just because we only have words to describe certain types doesn't mean that those other types aren't alive and well. And just, just call people what they ask to be called. Yeah, that that is very true. No dead naming. Oh, I <laughs> missed two in the hierarchy of acting. <laughs> <laughs> it goes legitimate theater, musical theater, stand-up, ventriloquism, <laughs> magic, then mime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. With that, I think... <laughs> Coming at you from the Oakland Music Complex, this is FYI Bookplate. <laughs> <laughs> On drums, it's Brit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Follow us to hear more about the books next month. We do this every time with the book club pick for Forever the Young Adult. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Litzy. Litzy. Pinterest, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. We do all of the medias. We do all of the things, and we will see you here next month, or, well, we'll talk to you here next month for the Memory Book by Laura Avery. Same book time, same book channel. (laughs) Same book channel.